The brain's pain and pleasure centers sit side by side, swapping signals and occasionally crossing wires. How else can we explain the strange, complicated attractions we feel towards so many things in the world? Chilies so hot they make your eyes water and your nose run, the sweet, toxic smell of petrol, abstract paintings that manage to be both ugly and mesmerizing. The music of Clara Wilson repels and entices in equal measure. Harsh and beautiful, rough and complex, it crawls inside you and stirs some previously unknown emotion. It demands repeated listening. Since I first heard Clara Wilson's Apocalypse songs, I've been unable to concentrate on much else. I've turned it over and over in my mind, trying to solve the puzzle. Who was this woman? And why is her music so haunting? So haunted? I'm Amy Louise Chen, and welcome to the Apocalypse Songs podcast. Assuming Clara never time traveled to the home video age. (laughs) Josh's grandmother's house is a treasure trove of strange 20th century artifacts. Anne McDermott kept everything. Remote controls for long broken TV sets, two-for-one pizza coupons that expired in 1998, a cookbook called 49 Meals for Busy People that must have come with an old microwave. Alright, so we've got... Um, kitchen things. I think these are kitchen things. Let me have a look. Oh, yeah, that's for, uh, it's, yeah, uh, you know, for swizzling honey. What, swizzling? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, anyway, <laughs> not really. All right. Uh, okay. Oh, kids drawings. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh my God, did you do these? <laughs> Let me see. Uh, yep, yep, these are mine. <laughs> <laughs> A pink shark and an orange octopus yeah. by Josh. <laughs> They were on Grand's fridge until I was like 17. I used to feel super guilty when I saw them actually. Like, hey, remember when you actually had time to visit my grandparents? <laughs> okay, um, a vacuum cleaner head. Um, oh, a violin. Oh, that's cool. Hey, when I interviewed your Aunt Judith, she said they all learned it for a bit when they were growing up. It must be a grandma's one. Yeah, that's right. It's weird how there's no like, violin on the tape. It's in the cupboard over by the window. When Josh told me that I'd better keep my whole weekend free if I wanted to help him search his grandmother's house for Clara Wilson's secret tape recordings, I thought he was exaggerating. But come nine o'clock on Saturday night, there was still an imposing tower of unsearched boxes in the corner of Anne's spare room, the place where Clara spent her final days. Yeah, this was my grand's... She always called it her spare bedroom when she talked about it, but even when I was really little, it was just, you know completely unusably full of random crap. <laughs> like broken ceiling fans and suitcases with the handle falling off and all that. I don't think anyone had like slept in it since, probably since Clara died. You don't, you don't think she died like, you know, here in this room, did no, you? No, no, I looked into the hospital records. She passed out here, but she died in the hospital. Quinine poisoning. Well, the thing in, Tonic water treats malaria, right? Yeah, apparently you used to be able to just buy it in pill form. Right. No, Grand didn't want to think about any of that. She just stuffed this room full of boxes and old furniture and closed the door on it. 
Were you and your grandmother close? Um, I mean, yeah. We had a good, you know, grandparent, grandchild relationship. I, I just never got much of a chance to be a, an adult with her before she died. You know, when your when your older relatives start treating you like a regular grown up person and, and, and relating to you on that level, it we just never got to that point. Um, yeah. I I wish we could have talked more. Some of the dusty boxes in Anne's spare room hadn't been touched for decades. Josh's mother's old school projects on yellowing paper, glassy eyed dolls with thinning hair and lazy eyes a second-place golfing trophy with Josh's grandfather's name engraved on it. Still, all these remnants seem to be from Anne's adult life, her husband, her children, her grandchildren, with no sign of her parents or siblings. It was only after hours of pouring through Anne McDermott's belongings that we came across a shoebox that Anne had stashed in the bottom of her wardrobe. Hold on. This looks like something. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Oh, those are cold. Photographs. This one... Can you read cursive? Uh, I'm not great at it. <laughs> I think it's uh, mother and father at the Littleton house, 1961. Oh, the 60s. Okay. Clara has got to be in here somewhere. <laughs> hmm. uh, oh, Judith with friend, 1968. <laughs> oh my God, she looks incredible. Amazing. Oh yeah, that, that, that's honey Judith. <laughs> they right, look yeah. like the bad kids, like the ones that got detention every day for smoking behind the bike shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. That? Can you read this one? Uh, Andrew Runkisk? Oh, Dunkirk and Peter, 1978. Oh, was that your granddad? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Popper and the Stubbies. <laughs> hey. Hey, this is her. Hmm? This one, Clara's first day, Sloan and Hardwick. 1962, it must be her first day on the job as a secretary. Huh. I didn't realise she'd look so... normal. What did you think she'd look like? I don't know. Uh, a little more... Yeah, uh, I don't know. The next day, Josh and I took on the attic. There, hidden behind a pile of rolled-up sleeping bags and a stack of old listener magazines, we found a cardboard box full of cassette tapes. Are those hers? Um, I don't... I think so. This is just stuff taped off CDs or something. They're all from like the 80s or... Wait, hold on, what's that? Well, this is her handwriting. November 21st, 1966. Is that all there is? Um, looks like it. It's nothing on the inside cover or anything. Wait, here's another one. January 18th, 1967. How many are there? I don't know. Let's take it downstairs and have a look. We found three boxes of cassette tapes in Anne's attic. Jumbled together with Bruce Springsteen, Simon and Garfunkel, and Donny Osmond were 29 tapes, all labelled with a date somewhere between November 19, 1966 and April 11, 1967. Clara hadn't just made a second tape. She'd been prolific. What do we do now? Just listen to them? Yeah, yeah, I reckon let's listen to them. Uh, we should start with the first one, right? November 19? I think that's a good idea. I guess she dated them because she wanted people to listen to them chronologically. Did she want people to listen to them at all? Do you have anything we could play it on? Will not be still. 
have no idea. I do. No, that was some new shit. I'm... This is what all these tapes are going to be. Because, like, fuck. Sorry. We're on a podcast now. You can swear as much as you like. I, I thought the first tape was creepy, but... God, you think they're all going to be like this? I guess we have to keep listening to find out. Jesus. Can I... Am I good to press play, or...? Yep, yep, go ahead. Josh and I listened to the first 14 tapes, taking notes. Each was about an hour long, 30 minutes each side. Clara had recorded until the tape ran out, even though sometimes this meant including long stretches of silence. Each tape was a variation of the same thing. Snatches of music, all a cappella singing or violin, occasional interactions with Anne, and these whispered repetitions. Do not leave this house until the songs have been sung. Listen to no one but me. Talk to no one but me. Do not be afraid. When we finished the 14th tape, one marked February 8th, 1967, it was almost 2am. For hours, Josh and I had barely spoken to each other. As I drove him home, I felt like I was waking from a trance. I can't believe it's so late. Yep. Just lost track of time, I guess. Are you hungry? Uh, I have leftovers at home. Okay. Did you, I mean, what did you think about what we heard? What did I think about it? Yeah, like, did it, I don't know, uh, did it change anything for you in terms of how you see Clara? Not really. She was crazy and the music was part of that. That's it? She probably had schizophrenia. Like multiple personalities? No, no. no people, people think that because of movies and stuff, but it's actually more about like the, the hemispheres of your brain don't talk to each other, so you start hearing things which are like your own thoughts as if it was someone else's voice talking in your head. Right. So, so when it sounds like she's talking to someone who's not there, it's 
looks like she's talking to the voice in her head. She wasn't crazy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said she was crazy. She she had a condition. Yeah. Maybe. This is you, right? Yep. Thanks for the ride. See you on Saturday. While I waited for the next weekend to see Josh and listen to the rest of his great-aunt's cassette tapes, I decided to do some further investigation into his theory. I got in contact with a psychiatrist, Dr Joyce Hopper, who specialises in psychotic disorders. Well, I can't diagnose someone without meeting them face-to-face. So I can give you my best guess, but you'd better take anything I say with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Um, Can I play you a bit of one of the tapes? Go ahead. So, at this stage, Clara is holed up in the spare room of her sister's house. Do you have a rule for me? I would like to let some air in. the end of the tape marked December 16th, 1966. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. Judging from that, and like I said, I wouldn't normally just be judging from a recording. I think paranoid schizophrenia is definitely a possibility. She's showing a number of signs, um, hallucinations, which includes hearing voices. That's the most common expression of it for people with schizophrenia. Mm. Social withdrawal. How long had she been living in her sister's spare room at this point? Uh, About a month and a half, but she ended up staying there until she died, April the next year. Okay, yes, so social withdrawal. Disorganised speech patterns is another one. Not only is she speaking to herself, but the sentences don't quite line up. They're kind of disjointed, except for the singing. But that's, uh, that's kind of the exception that proves the rule. What do you mean by that? There's a strange thing with music and song where it's stored in a different part of the brain than regular speech patterns. So you find that people with conditions that make it hard for them to speak, aphasia, dementia, you know, 
Sometimes they can't say a spoken sentence, but if you put on the radio, they'll sing along with their favorite songs. Oh, it's incredible. The human brain is a strange and fascinating place. What was the song she was singing there? Hmm? I didn't recognize it, did you? Oh, oh, uh, that's not an existing song. That's one of her ones. Oh? Hmm. What? Nothing. It's just, that's very interesting. Do you think Clara's sudden interest in music might be another sign of schizophrenia? Mm. I mean, you do find some people use art to express. Just deciding to take up music or another art form out of nowhere is definitely not unheard of for a number of different psychological disorders. But on its own, it doesn't point to any particular diagnosis. I mean, my husband suddenly took up guitar at age 43. Terrible disease called midlife crisis. <laughs> Of course, schizophrenia now isn't the same thing as back in 1966. These days you can get a treatment plan. There are medicines. Back then, well, it's lucky for her she had a sister who was willing to take her in. Most people would have ended up in some kind of asylum. Yeah, of course. Uh, one last question. Um, there's a theory going around that Clara Wilson's lyrics were kind of... that they could predict the future. Hmm. So is there any type of scientific evidence for, I don't know, psychic premonitions or I'm probably asking the wrong person about this? Mm, well, there's definitely no scientific basis out there for um, ESP or fortune telling or what have you. But I'm not going to act like we have all the workings of the human brain completely figured out. I don't think psychic powers are real. It certainly doesn't seem likely. But when it comes to the brain, I'm an agnostic, you know. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio. When I went home, I listened to Apocalypse songs again. After hours of combing through the diary tapes, it sounded polished, almost conventional. The thing that had struck me most about the diary tapes was the pain that Clara seemed to be in. Dr Joyce had mentioned some people with psychotic disorders using art to express themselves, but for Clara there seemed to be no joy in her music just compulsion. On the tapes, she was in pain, isolated, terrified. But of what? Of her own mind? Or of some external force? A couple of songs in, I stopped the tape and called Josh. Hey. Oh, hi. Are you okay if I record this? Uh, yep, uh, sure. I was meaning to call you, actually. Oh, what about? Um, uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I think you're gonna hate this idea, but just... Okay. Uh, it's kind of stupid. Oh, you're really selling it to me. Yeah, I just... What do you think about demonic possession? Josh? You there? I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Oh. Uh, um, was it... Did I say something? No, no, it's not what you... I'm getting freaked out. Yeah, me too. No, I mean, I mean, actually freaked out. Like, I... I get a lot of anxiety, and this stuff is... Clara, excuse me. I thought you didn't believe in the whole supernatural thing. No, I don't. I don't... I don't think she predicted the future. I don't. I don't think she was having premonitions or or 
possessed by demons or whatever, I just, I had a bit of a, like, like a panic attack on Sunday. Oh. Shit, I'm sorry. It was after you dropped me home. I'd listened to those tapes for so long, it was like I was starting to think like her. Like hearing voices? No, no, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. How long did you feel like we were listening to the tapes? I mean, we started at like half past eleven and finished at two in the morning. Yeah, yeah, but, but how long did it feel like we were listening? I don't know. I lost track of time. Yeah, me too. So it was more than that. I felt, I felt like I got sucked into a black hole or a, or a whirlpool or something. It, it was like an out of body. When you turned off the last tape and said time to head home, it was like you just, you just woken me up from a really long sleep. Is that what you were panicking about? It's. It doesn't work like that. I just. I just don't think this stuff is good for me. Look, I want to help you. Yeah, I do. I I, I want to. God, I, I really want to know what was going on with her, you know, what, what made her the way she was, but but I don't think I can listen to any more of these tapes. I'll get I'll get sucked into that whirlpool again and I might not be able to pull myself out. Oh, okay, that's okay. I can listen to the rest of the tapes by myself. Thank you. I can take notes, tell you what I find. Yep, that would be great. Okay. Cool. Hey, all of this... It happened a long time ago. Yep. Yep, I know. I thought about what Josh had said. He and I had both felt the tug of Clara's tapes. They're disturbing, yes, but somehow compulsively listenable. Dangerous and irresistible. Repellent and enticing. I still have so many questions. What was happening to Clara? Where did those songs come from? Can we really chalk all those strange predictions up to coincidence? If Clara Wilson is a whirlpool, I'm ready to dive right in. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any further information about Clara Wilson, please contact me at a.chen at radioaotearoa.org.nz. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Amy Louise Chen, and this was the Apocalypse Songs Podcast. (laughs) 